animist realities often have some sort of concept for a defining force which is present somehow in everything. Polynesians, for instance, they have a concept called mana, a word that has been adopted into scholarship and used as this general concept to understand uh, how religious practice work. Um, if, for instance, you have an elder twig, then it has elder twig mana, and this elder twig mana can then be employed in different sort of animist technologies, what is sometimes called magic. <clears throat> Perhaps you can protect your livestock by putting it in the stable or something like that. Right? A god also has mana, uh, a power that is characteristic of that god. Or it can be composed by uh, mana of different aspects of reality or something like that. So these mana concepts, they're quite common and they're fairly important to the people that have them in their realities. And in the pre-Christian Nordic world, there seems to have been such ideas. Uh, and particularly the concept Megan, which is the topic of this video. The uh, Nordic idea of an underlying sort of force of creation which is materially present throughout reality. Before I start talking about Megan and what that means, I'm just going to say some of all that stuff that YouTubers always say and that I often forget and then I feel bad about because I forgot it. And that is that this is a Nordic Animism channel. My name is uh, Rune Janu. I'm a Danish historian of religion, PhD from the University of Uppsala in Sweden. I'm working on applying cutting-edge scholarship on new animist theory on uh, Nordic history of uh, religions uh, in order to revalorize and reclaim rejected animist knowledge forms in order to renew and recreate, make available, you could say, that culture of land connectedness, ecological knowledge, culture of kinship to uh, the other than human uh, part of reality. Cultures that were there in traditional Nordic culture but has disappeared. The purpose of this work is to work against the pending Ragnarok, the ongoing eco ecological collapse and the omnicide. Um, and if you like what I do, then uh, click like and click subscribe and write a little question in the comment sen section and follow my work on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And when you are in these places, then click all the little ding-dings and the little tweet-tweets and the little toot-toots and share and retweet and comment and do all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, even if it's just to say, cool beans, dude, keep up the good work. Uh, everything contributes. Um, you can also find my homepage online. Today there's even a Nordic animism merchandise in this world. Who'd have thought it? Uh, or you can head over to my uh, Patreon and consider supporting me. This is probably the most urgently important way that cultural scholarship is presently being performed on the face of this planet. Probably. So uh, talking of my Patreon, consider contributing. The price of one beer per month actually does make a difference. And by the way, my deepest and most heartfelt gratitude to all the people who are already supporting me. You're just the best. And though, as you can hear, I don't exactly suffer from self-esteem problems, I am still continuously humbled by the fact that there are people out there who decide to support my work economically. Cool. And then I just got all that stuff settled. So now to the topic of the video, which is Megan, the forced force behind everything. Uh, but before in getting into the specifically Nordic Megan uh, concept, I'll just talk a little bit more generally about 
these, this kind of concept. Um, with the background in my own anthropological fieldwork uh, among people who have, in fact, exactly that kind of concept. And that is the West African Orisha polytheism where, uh, where people talk of ashe, ashe. And this concept has to do with the idea uh, of that scholars call immanence. Immanence. The ashe of an elder twig is, is not a symbol of something transcendent. It's not like a picture of a deity or something like that. It represents something in another place. The ashe, I would argue, um, is a unifying creating for creator force or something like that. But it sort of exists in concrete form in the world. There is elder twigness physically in the elder twig. The ashe is the identity between the material object and its meaning or its sacred power. The nature, uh, the character of the elder twig is inherent to it. It's not disembedded from it, right? Some talk about that, um, that it's like smoke and a fire. Like the smoke doesn't represent the fire. It, it's part of the fire. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's a good image, actually. Uh, but uh, this force or character is actually dynamic. It isn't just like their full stop. And this ashe, uh, yeah, it's actually it's actually kind of a doing. And particularly when it comes into when it comes into ritual reality, um, scholars will say that it has agency. It is acting somehow. Elder twig ashe is something the elder twig elder twig does in the world more than just a passive quality that it has you know the um the french philosopher bruno latour he acknowledged this that things have agency the way that kettles boil water knives cut meat basket hold, baskets hold provision things do stuff you know and western philosophy today is acknowledging that uh, they are pretty much acknowledging what our uh, ancestors knew that things act and that this acting can be used. It can be. It can be handled by uh, by humans, and this this doing Im, Im, uh, embedded in materiality in the material things can be used in rituals to do stuff ritually. Right. So, for instance, um, uh, manifesting deities in similar physical material form. For instance, through a possession ritual. So, a deity is typically uh, composed by uh, a share of, of different types, right? You could say that Odin perhaps uh, is com combines poetry making with warrior making, with death making, and, and so on and so forth, right? The warrior storm goddess Yansa combines wind a share with warrior a share with wisdom a share, and so on and so forth. Um, and though this a share, this acting character of something is not inside human minds but it's also not just out there it's in fact it's somehow uh, it's somehow in between it is it is brought to life in our ritual relation making our ritual engagement uh, for instance uh, orisha worshippers they will say that uh, the, an object becomes an ashe <coughs> or its ashe is brought to life it's empowered uh, that working meaning of the object uh, when it's brought into a ritual. So a knife, for instance, it brings its, its imminent cutting into, for instance, a fetish object, 
where the work of the knife, the, what it does is part of constructing the literal body of a deity, right? Uh, and in order for some deity to become real, <clears throat> perhaps it needs knife doing, knifeness, the active knifeness in order to become itself, right? So, uh, so, um, and, 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 and this is all, this is made alive also through uh, exchanges, of course, as anything animists <laughs> uh, so anybody knows that you can't just break off an elder twig you have to give something back perhaps a coin or if you're in a turtle islander perhaps a little bit of tobacco you know different contexts now modernists have intensively othered even demonized these kind of animist technologies right africans for instance they've had particularly advanced uh, fetish technologies uh, so it was conflated with racism fetishism the technology of using these force character specific in everything has been steeply demonized and associated with madness and savagery and, and, and whatnot and interestingly important parts of this condemnation persists and, and, and I might uh, return actually at some point with a, with a video uh, about an, an amazing example of where I saw this uh, racist legacy at work here in, in Scandinavia. Um, cool, so, the, the, so back to the Nordic concept Megan, that is, it is that kind of a concept. It is the active working nature of something. Right? So Megan is derived from the word mega, uh, which means being able to, to be able to something. And this word has a strange etymology that I suspect reaches much further than the couple of words I'm, I'm showing you here. Um, it might reach to word like magic, making, machen in German. There's, there's many words that might have some sort of connection to it, but I'm not... I'm not strong enough and all that stuff to really uh, go into more detail. Uh, but note the potentiality of this, this uh, uh, verbal form here. Um, it is being able to do something, a potential for working that can be activated, right? Now, Megan is the substantive of mega, and that means strength or might, right? Thor has a Megan belt. Odin can be called uh, the Megan God, a sword or a serpent, can have Megan, uh, can have Megan, right? Van Megan is, uh, means weakness, um, on Megan, right? The power of a storm can be its Megan. The, the moon didn't know its Megan before the gods gave it its place. But it can also be the main part of something, the main stream of a river, the main section of a country. The English word main is actually cognate with Megan. Um, or it can also enforce a quality. If something is Megan good or Megan fierce, then it is mega good or mega fierce. I actually think the, great, the Greek derived mega uh, might actually be cognate um, somehow. Megan thought, thought is wisdom. Megan events are world famous events. Uh, and the Sigurd Rivomol has Megan runar, probably powerful or empowered uh, runes. Now, and, by, and just the fact that this coinage uh, exists uh, should lay to rest this weird idea that runes were only secular communication tools in this very modern sense that some people, for weird reason, project on uh, prehistory. 
but the word megin is also um, related to another amazing verb that seems to mean empower or strengthen, to manifest the megin of something, right? So the, the verb mega is being able to, capacity for action. And this becomes the substantive megin, uh, meaning the ashe of something, it's acting force. But then there is a derived, this is derived wonderfully into another word, verb, magna, to megin empower, to meginate, <laughs> to grow megin in. And here I'll just call it to magn uh, in, in English, uh, in English neologism, uh, though they, it, you know, it could be considered if you should use main uh, as a verb, uh, to main something perhaps. Uh, magning is often performed with... Um, with other activities uh, such as sorcery, fjallkungi, it's done with intense singing of uvir songum, or it's done with recitation of galder singing or formulas, uh, or it can be performed with great sacrifice, med miklum blodskap, right? So you see, to magen something is part, seems to be part of a ritual. It is what Odin does to Mimir's head in order to make it come alive. Raising a ghost or a revenant is magening it. It is what an old woman in Gretia's saga does to a root that she wants to use for uh, black magic, uh, I think. Uh, or when somebody wants to invoke invulnerability in something, somebody magically, then they are magening that person. Gods sometimes do this to human. They magen them, empower them for victory. But importantly, humans also seem to, uh, to be doing this to gods somehow, or rather to the likeness of gods. Both the likeness of Frey and the likeness of Thor, Liknesky Thors, are being magened in sagas. They're being given Megin. A Norwegian law uh, says uh, you should not magen stones uh, in order to bind men or cattle. Note how this magning activates or grows Megan in something, uh, particularly the uh, physical embodiment of, uh, of deities. Um, and, and this rests on this potentiality of Megan, uh, which is similar to potentiality of a she. And it, it's very common that, that, that people think like this. You know, when, when um, researching uh, Ojibwe animism in North America, the American anthropologist uh, Irving Hallowell, he famously asked an elder if all stones around them were alive. Now, this question makes sense because the word stone belongs in a grammatical class of animate nouns in the Anishinaabeg language. And uh, then the elder, he hesitated for a moment and then he answered, no, but some are. <laughs> uh, and this particular story has become really important in animist scholarship and I've used it myself in my research to understand this thing about animacy, that it's not just equally distributed throughout reality, but rather a potential that humans can engage and thereby manifest the subject of, for instance, a stone. And in animist, this uh, process of uh, magnar um, uh, is, is called devictuating. That is the process that engages and grows subjectivity through engagement, typically through a ritual exchange. Uh, and I think this is characteristic of what is sometimes called fetishism, technologies building on the imminent physicality of Megan. 
Uh, it is something that scholars don't tend to look for. And one reason for that is that in the past, fetishism was a deeply marginalized mode of uh, religiosity. And uh, this is even still reflected in our language, I think. There's a criticism in calling something fetishized, right? But guys, fetishizing cultic in invocation of the ashe or the making of something material is a cornerstone of animist practice. It's really a cornerstone to magnar, to understand what that means and to learn how to do it, you know. Um, another reason is that scholar do doesn't think with uh, fetishism, um, scholars of uh, Nordic religion, is that they generally, most generally, never lived and breathed and drank and ate inside that kind of religion. Uh, I once wrote an, an, an archaeologist who had found what was probably a fetish installation in, in Denmark. And I told him, this is probably a fetish installation and you might understand what's going on there if you look at comparatively with uh, culture from Dahomey and Bakongo areas. I got a friendly but kind of dismissive answer. And it was very clear to me that I was suggesting I think a very strong analysis of the find, but uh, this was just an armchair scholar. He never experienced an actual polytheist animist religion, and what I was suggesting was just simply outside his framework of the framework of his reality. But when I'm trying to bring it into relation to people, I'm trying to magnar in a sense, um, work with the physicality of it, use scholarship to fetishize uh, something a little bit like the symbol here. <laughs> I'm trying to magnar this symbol. Um, and and uh, or magnar a uh, part of our, uh, our heritage. Uh, um, working like that, that confronts, I think, in a very direct way, the foundation of, foundations of the modern reality. Uh, and 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 that is the modern the modern basic modern scheme of reality, what's sometimes called the modern epistemology. That is that there's a human inside which is filled with life and subjectivity and meaning and all, all the stories and trolls and culture is in here. And then there's a dead uh, machine outside machine world which is just there destined for omnicidal human exploitation. But stuff like the Ashe uh, or the Megan, these uh, animist concepts, they they defy exactly that uh, that uh, distinction, uh, and scholarship does defy that distinction today. So let us uh, reawaken, reawaken the Megan. Let us fetishize. Let us magnar again uh, the dead symbols of our ancestors. The Megan is in there. It just need to be called back by us reclaiming kinship with the land through real, actual engagement with the material world. So, uh, yeah, Nordic animism, 